Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I'm Anthony Salome, live with Alex Nicholas here on the Rush Podcast 2017 National Signing Day Edition. What's up, Alex? I'm fired up, bro. It's always my favorite day of the year. Not so much this year, not so much that, oh, UTEP getting new guys, but I love National Signing Day, bro. I love it. I remember 11 years ago, bro, 11 years ago, your boy signed on the dotted line, the Ranger JC, and it was special, man, and definitely, that, that's really kind of what tickles me every year. It's like a holiday for me. I take the day off from <laughs> the 8 to 5 every year. This year, I called in. I was cold. I was cold on myself, but yeah, it's maybe, but yeah, definitely a fun day, uh, interesting day for UTEP. Uh, there was so many question marks around this class. I mean, we, re- we, we knew what they needed. We didn't know how they were going to get it. Uh, this year was really, really compared to last year, the past couple years where we've had a list of, of, of offers. It was really small this year. You know, they were really kind of picking, choosing, and uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of what they needed. Linebackers, obviously, they went linebacker heavy. What they kind of needed, uh, you know, you hit your local kids, you know, like you need so. And then you also got your big time running back in, in Josh Fields. And we're gonna discuss all that. We got some guests coming on here for you guys. We're gonna talk to Tony Venegas at 6:05. He runs. Uh, He's an editor over there at TexasHighSchoolFootball.com, a guy that's really, really done a good job over there. He covers, uh, you know, every high school that you can imagine. He's specifically here in El Paso. He's going to give us a look on the young guys that work with him over at 600 ESPN El Paso. So we're going to get him on. We're also going to have Alex Fernandez, the uh, quarterback commit out of Austin, Texas. He's going to join us at 12 after. And then at 20 after, we're going to have Forrest McKee, the fullback from Oñate, Las Cruces Oñate. So, trying to get back to that. It was a kind of a short podcast I threw on Anthony, but I remember a couple of years ago we had like every yep, damn dude. commit and that was cool. So we're trying to get to something like that, guys. But uh, definitely just kind of, you know, when you look at it from, from kind of the outside, Anthony, you know, th- what is this? It's kind of same old, same old. You know, with yeah, Cougars. I mean, nothing nothing surprising, nothing sexy, but they're I'm still waiting for that that one like real catch that, that Cougar gets. I mean, every year, I mean, you see some guys with some nice talent, you know, great stats coming out of high school. I mean, I think the one that jumps off the page here, and this is something that we really needed considering the defections of this year or the graduation, I should say, of Aaron Jones is Josh Fields. You know, somebody that in the future can, can – I don't know if it will be right away, but, you know, in the Cougar's near talking future, about it in the near right future you know, could be a guy that could, could pick that up and, and become that premier feature tailback. And so um, interesting story about that, something I was hearing on uh, on, on the, the threads and, and social media. Tell me a little bit about what happened today with that announcement. Yeah, that was crazy. It was kind of, it was weird. Uh, you know, this kid has been really legitimately 50-50 on his, you know, pick. It was basically coming down to New Mexico and UTEP. And uh, his, his, his LOI obviously went in. He was received by UTEP this morning. Uh, you know, press conference starts at 12. Uh, Cougar introduces the first kid. And if you were there, you know the story if you're watching the live stream. So Cougar then talking about this surprise recruit, uh, kind of got his, you know, he got fired up. You know, he got real fired up talking about this guy. And Josh was going to announce at 3 o'clock. And, you know, there's that golden rule of, of recruiting where you don't let still the kids shine. You let the kids talk, you let the kids announce. And so Cougar semi announced it, you know, obviously there's media there. Uh, I accidentally tweeted out on minor rush, but I didn't hear the disclaimer. Cause I was kind of, somebody kept whispering in my ear and I was going across the table, trying to talk to somebody at the same time while Cougar's announcing this. And I'm thinking, Oh, that person tells me, look, Cougar said not to announce it. So I deleted our minor rush tweet right away out of respect for Josh Fields because I didn't hear that. Well, the prospector about 30 minutes later went ahead and pumped out that tweet. And it just was just awkward that UTEP wanted to keep this under wraps, but yet he was on the press release that I'm holding right now, not on the email, but the press release I'm holding in my hands right now that I was handed at the event. And they were saying, well, keep hushing until 3 o'clock. Now, mind you, it's 12 o'clock. Mind you, I want to get this work done. I want to get these stories out. I want to get on with my day to plan, you know, this podcast or whatever. It just was an awkward situation with UTEP that kind of put me in, in a sense. Because, you know, I mean, guys, I'm not trying to do it at home, but we're kind of the recruiting authority, you know. And that's kind of – that's something that I want to have unless Josh says it. You know what I mean? But, you know, it just was kind of weird that that, that they were trying to rise with Cougar on live TV – in our live stream, and then I think the main thing, you know, I don't know what that miscommunication is between what they wanted to do and what they actually did and how it all came out and all that stuff, but I think it would have actually been cool to an extent, like, if, if they would have 
held quiet on. I would have loved because that. people would have been like, "Damn, man, we missed out on Josh uh, on Josh Fields." Nope. And uh, you know, what is he gonna do? Exactly. You know, where is he gonna go? He, he, he wasn't tweeting so nothing. He was exactly. he was so everybody would have been on edge on pins and needles waiting to hear what it, what's happening. Could we miss out on this exactly? And then you get that good news. Instead, in typical Kugler fashion, he comes out and just like yep. plain old vanilla, like nothing special about it. Here's our class. Yeah, we got fields, whatever. Like, don't say nothing like, until three. It's like, come on, how, bro. How, like, how can you do that? Yeah, it's, like, it's, I, I don't understand that. How can you come out on, on, on in your press conference, release it to the entire group of media that's there on a live stream, and, and then, you know, expect people not to talk about and it. I, it is, it's weird because, like, it's a different time and age. It, it, yeah. it, 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 it's just glorified more now, you know, out these crazy videos of them committing like this is a different age yeah, definitely. and definitely something that was it was interesting it's that to moment in, in the spot like you talked about when you signed you know years back i mean it's that it's that special moment for you and and you I should put be, it on my myspace oh back uh, in the uh, day. a lot of these kids nowadays i mean you see all the stuff you know they break out the hat you know I, they're, they're making it they're, nope. they're, they're keeping the commercial going and they're they're, they're they're making people wait to see where they're going and Unfortunately, you just not down with that, I guess. But right now, we are joined with Tony Venegas, Tony the Venegas. assistant editor over at TexasHighSchoolFootball.com. Tony, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, Alex? How are you doing tonight? Uh, doing great, man. Doing great. Always one of the better times of the year. And obviously, nothing better than, than regular football season, but this kind of does it for us football heads, uh, Tony. So, you covered the El Paso area extensively this year with through TexasHighSchoolFootball.com and also a part of uh, Team 600's coverage on Football Friday night. Uh, just kind of talk about, you know, some of these signings. We first off, let's, let's get to Josh Wells. This is a guy that I know you saw a lot this year, obviously one of the sack leaders in Texas. How do you kind of project him as that outside linebacker into what you kind of seen and what UTEP does defensively and what you've seen out of Josh? Well, uh, at least with uh, Josh, I guess the one thing you know I, I really see out of him, I, I think he has the the potential to be a very very good player for for UTEP. Uh, I, I think the big thing with him is that he's really going to have to uh, bulk up a little bit more. Uh, I actually uh, went to uh, Parkland earlier today uh, to talk with Josh and talk with uh, Coach Kirkland out there, and uh, th- and both of them kind of had that same sentiment that that basic that at least with Wells, you know, that he'll have to probably develop a little bit more but but just watching him play this year just the way he got after the quarterback and just made plays he was all over the field and anytime you have a guy like that on your team it just really makes things you know that much that much easier for you I I, I do remember that a couple of times I did see Parkland play in person uh, this year is that uh, on defense uh, you always had to account for where number 99 was lined up on the field, whether he was making, uh, making sacks or, uh, you know, making tackles in the backfield, or as, as coach Kugler mentioned uh, earlier today in, in his, uh, in his luncheon about, uh, about how Josh is able to, to block kicks. And I think just having a guy like that, I, I think would really, it's going to be a really good fit for uh, UTEP. And then also for, for Wells, uh, he's going into uh, a, a good situation. I, I think he, has the has the chance to to do something uh, do something really good out there. Looking at Javon Thomas, a guy that I haven't really really seen too much, but I mean he he fits that prototype six two two thirty definitely that tweener of defensive end linebacker. What what do you kind of see in, in him? Have you got a chance to see him this year? And is this kind of a one of those under the radar El Paso type guys that can maybe make an impact with weight room training and, and just that experience before he actually hits the field. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, with uh, with Javon, I think you kind of uh, talk about him was, came honestly pretty late in the uh, recruiting process that he was going to sign uh, with uh, with UTEP. But just you know, just looking at, I, I did see El Paso High play uh, once uh, once this year. That was actually the final week of the season. And um, and with Thomas, I, I think he's a guy that again, you know, like Wells is a guy that you could put you know multiple positions. And I think. Uh, Kugler and and the staff will have to figure out you know what to do with them, but uh, but I think the fact that he is a little bit bigger at six two two thirty, I think that really that really helps him uh, moving forward. And and I just think that with uh, you know with all these uh, linebackers and defensive ends that UTEP is bringing in, I know uh, Kugler had mentioned how big of a need it was, and and anytime you're able to get two local guys to to kind of help that, I, I think 
Uh, Thomas is definitely going to be a guy that maybe not a lot of people know about, but I think he'll be also a guy that uh, that people will, will start to find out about in the next couple of years. Looking at uh, just kind of a passive recruiting as a whole, you know, you, you've really kind of seen this transition and you obviously follow every other high school pretty much in the state. And are you seeing this El Paso recruiting? Obviously, Ty Quiz Hampton leading the way in 2017, but how is the recruiting in El Paso evolving? How is the athlete rec- kind of evolving where not, we're not only seeing guys sign to the FBS level, but there's a handful of El Paso kids also signing D2. Is that a, what is that a testament of coaching or just kind of culture that, that the kids are kind of buying into? Honestly, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I'll, I'll, stay, I'll start with the, the culture. I, I'm noticing that you're seeing a lot of programs really, uh, really develop, uh, really invest more into uh, into developing these guys into becoming uh, Division One, Division Two prospects. And I think any time that you have, any time that you have that, that's always a good thing. I also think part of it too, just for the longest time, has been location because, well, as all of us know, that El Paso is not exactly close to, uh, you know, the rest of the state. But uh, but I think anytime people can you know come out here and just see you know that yes there is talent you just have to you just have to be able to find it. I mean you take a look at guys that are you know uh, growing or have gone the last couple of years. You know uh, Tyquis Hampton you mentioned is one guy. Uh, uh, Steven Montes from Del Valle look what he, look what he did with Colorado this past year. Honestly I think he'll be the the starting quarterback next year for the Buffaloes and I, I could see him doing really well. And then with uh, with coaching, uh, I'm one thing I've also noticed is that not only you have a good mix of coaches who have been here in El Paso, but other guys coming in from out of town that have you know also been here a few years that I, I think have really started to fundamentally change the the culture of high school football here in El Paso. Two of the guys I can think of are uh, Josh Kirkland over there at Parkland, and then uh, who had five guys signed today. And then, um, and then also uh, Patrick Melton at Americas, and uh, Coach Melton even said uh, earlier today in his speech, just uh, talked with him a little bit after uh, after uh, Josh Fields in the signing. Uh, Coach Melton, and the eight years he's been there at Americas, has had 46 different players sign in just uh, the eight years that he's been the head coach, and and I just think it's stuff like that. It's a real testament to coaching, to development, and and I think more and more people are starting to figure out that El Paso, even though they may not be as close to other parts of the state of Texas, that there's definitely a talent to be found out here. No doubt about it. That's Tony Venegas you've been hearing. He's the assistant editor over there at TexasHighSchoolFootball.com. Give him a follow at, at AD Venegas on Twitter. Also check out his story that he did on Josh Field. Just posted it about an hour ago. Tony, thank you for your time, man. Appreciate it coming on a short notice, man. We'll be talking to you soon. Hey, 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 thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me on. No problem. So from one guest to another, we end with Tony Venegas, and I'm proud to introduce his next guest. He is a 6'3", 200-pound quarterback out of Austin, Texas. What's up? Uh, now I can shout out to Austin. You see why I shout out Austin? Alex Fernandez joining us here on the, on the lines. Alex, what's going on, man? First off, congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. How are you doing? Oh, doing great, doing great, man. And you know, f- following your recruitment, you recruit. You were probably you were the second recruit in this class, a very early commit. You had been coming on campus dating back to to the spring of last year. You, you just talk about keeping that commitment. And you know, I asked the coaches today about that your commitment because of your the, the district that you played in, the exposure that you get. But you've been UTEP one hundred percent. The coaches applauded that. The fans have been applauded that. Just kind of talk about that process of going through that commitment and, and now to today the signing day where it's a true reality for you. Yeah, it's been a great uh, great process. So I reached out to uh, Coach Pease early in the spring and expressed my interest in UTEP, and he's been great ever since. And then we've been communicating, and uh, like you said, I had a chance to come in April and had a visit. And that was real important to me um, as far as just meeting the players and coaches. And from that point on, honestly, I just, I really fell in love with the coaching staff and I got to talk to the players. Um, and that's one thing that really separated UTEP from a bunch of the other schools was just um, the community. And uh, just, I felt that immediate love. And so ever since then, it's been great. And then he offered me uh he came, watched me play spring ball, and I, uh, he offered me then. 
and about a month after that, I committed. So it's just been a, it's been a great process um, ever since. Alex, when I look at some of the the schools that were involved with the recruitment, I mean, the one thing that that jumps out about them is is the I guess the the, the level of, of I guess how highly they are, how highly tied they are as far as education goes. I mean, you talk about Holy Cross and Princeton and uh, Brown, Columbia, Harvard. I mean, pretty much all Ivy League schools here. I mean, is 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 that was there something specifically that made you choose a school like UTEP as far as the style that they play that, that maybe uh, made you want to come here? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, academics is a huge um, emphasis in my life, but as a, at the same time, you know, football is also, and then you, re- you really can't find the level of football at those other, other schools that you can find at uh, UT El Paso, and that's one of the, the, the big things, and then, like I said, the coaching staff played a huge role. Uh, they've just been <clears throat> they've just been open with me um, from the start, um, but as far as just UTEP goes, Coach Pease has played a major role in my my recruiting process, and uh, but yeah, just seeing the players that come out of there and just how they are, how they act, and the level of football they play has just been huge. Now, I mean, you know, I can see all the stats here. We can see the film on you. But from your perspective, tell me a little bit about how you like to play the game. What do you think your strengths are and what you bring to the table here at UTEP? I mean, I love to sling it. Um, I would consider myself a pro-style quarterback, um, although I do like I do like to get out of the pocket and move. But I love um, the pro-style system that Coach Pete has. I think I'll fit in great. Uh, so just sitting back there in the pocket is one thing I really want to develop. Um, just being a pocket passer as well as being mobile. But uh, I think that's a great opportunity to be coached um, by Coach Pease and just slinging it. Looking at – I cover high school football here in El Paso, and, you know, definitely I keep an eye on the rest of the state. And I call that 6A district in Austin. That's the gauntlet district that you played in. You know, you're stepping across – looking across the field, you see Sam Ellinger there. You obviously Lake Travis, Westlake, all those teams that you went up against. And, you know, what you did, you held your own. And I felt that you didn't get enough justice in terms of, you know, publicity. And I know you're not big on that. But just can you speak on, uh, you know, how playing in that district, that competitive district for the past couple of years, kind of just evolved you as a player and a competitor at the same time? Oh, it's been great. I, I, I love um, competition. So just, just growing up in this area specifically and just going against teams like Westlake and Lake Travis and Cedar Park every year, it's helped me grow. Um, just the big-time moments, big-time games, um, that just helps me develop as a quarterback. And then, I mean, as far as just – just playing against those other guys. I mean, there's there's a lot of great talent in our district. Um, we have respect for them. They have respect for us. So I, I've enjoyed every second of it, um, if anything. Talking with uh, some of the coaches today about just kind of UTEP's perception, you know, and, and the coaches really said, well, these kids really don't find out about UTEP until they come out here. You recently had your, your official visit out here. What really kind of, you know, obviously you've been committed for a while, but what sold you on, on, on that this is home once you were here on your official visit here just a couple weekends ago? Yeah, my official visit was just the sharing on top of everything. That, um, just that whole experience – as far as just hanging out with the players, getting a chance to, like, really know them. Um, not just small talk, but just actually just developing, like, real relationships, especially with the other recruits. Um, that was really special to me. Um, it's just been great to just meet the other guys and just see who, who I'm going to spend the, the next four years of my life with. And so that was exciting to me, and that, that really just sold it, just meeting all the coaches and just – actually starting a relationship with them. There you have it. Alex Fernandez, the UTEP quarterback signing out of Austin, Texas, via Vandergriff High School. Alex, thank you for your time. I know you got some things to take care of this evening. Appreciate you coming on, man, and we're looking forward to, to covering you over the next couple of years. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to get out there. All right, all right. There you have a well-spoken young man, great individual, smart, can throw the ball, can run. That's, that's going to be a baller. So no doubt about it, Alex Fernandez. We're gonna have up, coming up next, Forrest McKee. I think Anthony actually hung up on. <laughs> I, what are you talking about? I did, I did nothing of the sort. 
If you all want to get in the conversation, it's 347-934-0951 is the call-in number. Of course, you can always hit us up on MinorRush.com or at SBN Minor Rush on Twitter if you want to get some questions in, thoughts, concerns, anything with the new recruits, the programs, whatever you want to talk about, we're here. But as of right now, we will now be joined by the person I did not just hang up on, Forrest McKee out of Las Cruces. Forrest, how are you doing today? Very good. How are you? Doing great, man. Doing great. Talk to us a little bit about today and how the process went down and just the, the excitement of it all. It's super exciting. The process was super crazy. I don't know if, if most people know that I was offered by NMSU in February of last year. And about three months later, they resetted my scholarship. And oh, for a wow. while, I didn't know where I was going to Yeah, I didn't know where I was going to go. Didn't know what I was going to do. And I thought I was going to have to go to a junior college for the longest time. And then out of the blue, UTEP called, and they brought me in on an official visit. And I, I went there. I loved it. I already knew they were recruiting me, but, like, nothing too serious. They brought me in, offered me a scholarship. And just about on, uh, as soon as he finished saying if, that they're offering me a scholarship, I told him, I told him, you know what, this is where I want to be, and I committed to them on the spot. You know that that that's cra- that's a crazy problem. I mean, I thought, every kid has a different story, and you know that's a lot to kind of take in. But on top of that, you played linebacker your whole career. On top of everything you went through, how what was that reaction when UTEP told you, "Oh, well, we want you as a fullback that could possibly be on the field next year"? Um, at first it was like, at first it was like being in a boxing match and taking two punches straight to the face because it was like, wow, because I didn't know if they were dissing on my linebacking abilities or, or what it was. But at the end, it came down to what I was able to help the team at, and um, I'm coming to accept it now, and I'm super excited. cannot be more excited for the opportunity I've been given and the fact that I have the possibility to earn myself a starting spot as a true freshman, that was that's still unfathomable unfathomable to me because I thought I was going to have to gray shirt or something and they're expecting me to come in in the fall so you know like it's just it's so surreal and I I don't know I don't really believe it right now until it's about to happen when I get there in fall camp but it's just a crazy feeling. Forrest you know looking at your numbers as far as linebacking goes I mean they're probably up there with anybody in this country I mean they got great stats Um, obviously you're, you're a hell of a playmaker at the position and, and like you're talking about here, it was a, quite a bit of a change to, to be told, you know, that they want you to move to offense, play fullback. Do you see an opportunity? Have you been told anything about an opportunity that may be potentially still there to work your way back onto the defense as your career here at UTEP progresses? Um, yes. The crazy thing is all they've been telling me since I've, I was offered and committed is fullback, fullback, fullback. The only person I'm being recruited by, though, is the defensive coordinator. So I'm being – through one ear, I'm I'm saying fullback, 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 and through the other, I'm hearing, well, we might be able to sneak you in on defense. We might be able to sneak you in on defense. So like, I I don't know what to believe. I'm I'm going with what Coach Coog said right now, and I'm I'm a I'm preparing myself. I'm training for fullback, but I know that if I ever get the opportunity, which that may arise sooner than I think, um, I know that I could just slide right in and play Mike linebacker for him in their three-four scheme. You guys had something of a – I guess you said like a renaissance on you out there. You guys had some pretty good seasons as a team over the past couple of years after some down years. And, and, you know, talk about being a part of that renaissance and how has that kind of molded you into that competitor to come in into a fall camp at the FBS level and compete for a fullback spot? You know, like, it's kind of crazy because I also – something else people really don't know is that I started my career as a varsity freshman at Las Cruces High played varsity my freshman year and won a state championship and my father went to coach at Onyate and I moved with him oh okay from there um it was so different I I didn't really want to go because I was like well this is a losing team and you know just I'm I I like to think that I'm a leader and um I tried to lead the team as best as I could and eventually just everybody started to believe you know and like it just got us on one on one heartbeat and it just it just progressed. So that's, that's kind of like what I think right there. And that's, yeah. When you talk about, uh, you know, Tom Mason being recruited, he's a guy that, that really recruits the El Paso. He's kind of, he's in charge of recruiting the El Paso area. And, you know, your name is now being thrown into that mix of Sean Coogler's, you know, local outreach of being able to, to grab guys like a Josh Fields today, Kavika Johnson a couple of years ago, 
even though you're from oh, Las yeah. Cruces and obviously, you know, the Aggies are, are there, you know, the biggest rival, Utah's biggest rival, but just to kind of talking about staying home and, and being able to play in front of your parents, being your dad to being able to drive down 45 minutes and being able to see you. I mean, how big is that a draw for you know, local guys that grew up in this area? Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it's crazy because a lot of guys at, at the beginning of the recruiting process, everybody wants to go far. Nobody wants to stay home. Everybody wants to go to the Ohio States and the Alabamas. But then, like, when you when you start to, like, rationalize it yourself and you know, all right, you're not going to go to those big-time schools, but you are going to go D1, you think, well, maybe it would be nice to play. And I, I sat down and talked to my parents, and they said they really want to watch me, but they don't have the funding to go all over the country. So I, whenever UTEP called, I said, holy cow, this is my opportunity. It's a blessing from God. This is my opportunity to play in front of my family. And and that's something that most people don't think about until that opportunity is right in front of them. And that's what's that that really influenced me in making my decision, is because my parents want to, my parents want to watch me play, and that this is this is one of the only ways. And getting to play in front of NMSU after they dissed me so hard, it's just going to be it's going to be an amazing feeling playing against them, win or lose. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a ride. Bro, I know you're a leader because you just fired me up, man. Hell yeah, Forrest McGee. We all know the history there between UTEP and NMSU, at least recently. You know, we've had their number for, for some time now. But Forrest, hey, man, definitely good to hear from you, good to talk to you. Uh, we love everything that we hear, and we look forward to, to watching you play here and watch your career progress over the next uh, few seasons here at UTEP. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me on. Picks up. Thank you, Pixar. My up. man, my man. Forrest McKee. If I need a good quote from anybody, <laughs> I'll go with Forrest McKee, baby. There you go. You got it, man. Nice, good nice. Here well, well, spoken, two, two, well spoken young men yeah, that just are, definitely. you can tell that maturity level and, you know, just imagine the conversations they were having with the coaches. I mean, I could just imagine how the coaches are, you know, to have, to have these kids. And they, they see millions of kids. I mean, not millions, but you know what I'm saying. They yeah, see they lots see of, kids, of kids. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's kind of a product of what we've talked about where we've applied to Sean Cougar for recruiting these high, yeah. high character kids. And you see it right there. And, man, and, uh, better believe Forrest McKee is knocking some heads when they played. That's crazy, bro. That yeah. that I mean, you, and you see that. That happened. How, it's unfortunate. How, how but, does that happen, though? You know, for a school like NMSU, where there's been talks of them dropping down to, to the FCS level, like, how do you let a talent like this go from your own backyard? Like, I don't hey, get it. Yeah, maybe not for them. He's a fullback. But, I mean, the linebacking numbers are there for and somebody they to give I him mean, a shot. I mean, that's crazy to me. When you look at what the kid's done over his career, you know, you look at his size at 6'1", 240, even if that's a little bit, you know, being a little nice, I don't know exactly. I've never seen the kid in person, so I don't know if he is a true 6'1", or true 240. Whether he is or he is not, though, I mean, he's got the size and he's got the numbers to be given a shot at the Division One level. And for Las Cruces, NMSU, to go out there and let him go to UTEP, I mean, this, to me, so a player like this is 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 – Almost on the level of like a Kavika Johnson. Yeah. I mean, you know, getting out of of, of Las Cruces. And he's ranked. He's and actually he's ranked. ranked. So it's, but it's, it's it's beyond me how a school like that, you know, in so much need can let. Well, I guess that explains a lot. Let's just yeah, put it that way. It shows you that. exactly what's going on down there. So kind of a top to bottom breakdown of this class. I mean, you know, you look at it from a whole, and obviously we know this. We've talked about this. This is our fourth time we've talked about a Sean Cougar. Uh, recruiting class, you're not going to see stars, but you know we're going to rank them here in terms of guys that I personally feel are, are the, the high school kids. We'll get into the JUCO guys here in a little bit, but the high school kids, I think right off the bat, my number one would definitely be Alex Fernandez. I mean, this guy really is. I mean, it's funny, it's stupid. It shows how fucking dumb these recruiting services are. When when UTEP when he committed to UTEP, he was a three star. He's a two star now. You you followed that shit under yeah. Price where that happened a lot where Price was going after those you know the kind of the higher profile if you will guys so I think this kid's legit I mean he played in a gauntlet of a damn district with some of the best talent you know I'm pr- pretty sure if you round up the numbers of how many of those kids signed just to play college throughout the FBS that's a talented district that he played in that's really a, a guy that I feel can make we talked about this a couple on the last podcast about who could be that Ryan Metz replacement or a guy that, you know, we feel Ryan's the guy, but if there's somebody that could just push him in the room would be Alex Fernandez going, going on. And my number two, is just because of, of need and talent, Josh Fields, I mean, what's there more to say? Second leading rusher in El Paso history, uh, you know, the El Paso high school football history, that is. And, you know, he, he's so versatile. You know, 
you can't compare him to Aaron Jones. Like you, you you're not going to compare him to Aaron Jones. He's smaller. He's shiftier. He's a different style of back. You know, he's a guy that you can legitimately swing out into the slot and say, go run a route. Like they do, they did that. He ran the wildcat. Like he has a high football IQ. He was the, the main focus of that offense the past three years. So he knows a lot of football and not only that, but the type of style that UTEP runs, that is the type of run game that, that uh, Patrick Melton runs at America. So he fits in there. Now, will he adjust to camp and the speed to be able to crack the depth chart? That He's advanced on that level, or that's what's going to be remains to seen for him. Now, the third guy is the guy we just got talking to before, some key. You know, Darren Lufasa was quietly a big part of why Aaron Jones was great. And I think every running back, I can even go back to the Daryl Johnson, Emmett Smith days, Warwick Dunn, Michael that's a key in this type of offense. And I think that you heard from the kid, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Anthony busted out the stats that you guys that we mentioned. This kid, those are the top three, I feel, feel high school, of uh, the high school recruits. Not to be, you know, we're not sliding any of these kids, but going down the list a little bit further, Kobe Herring, Refugio, that's a South Texas talent. He put up ridiculous numbers. Yeah. AP Class 2A Player of the Year. His teammate, Trace Moscoto, a physical guy, a guy that you can move and play at nose. You can put him on the, at the end as a rush end. Uh, and then the, the guy, this, to me, this is a steal. I really think this is a steal. Jalen Spady. That's exactly James, what I was thinking. James yeah, is Spady's uh, son. He was a center with Cougar back in the day. Cougar said, Spady was like, back in the 80s, was like 5'9". I think like maybe a buck eighty of two hundred. I, I had to look him up because I have the Centennial poster in my in my office, and I seen him and I didn't. This was probably like two or three weeks ago, and he followed us on Twitter. And now I got to thinking that he's coming to UTEP. This kid watching his film, you talk about a road grader, a guy that can block downfield and has good feet. He's a big boy, and I think those guys right there. Sean Cougar always talks about hitting on on, on a few guys each class. Those are his, and, and also Josh Wells for, from from Parkland. I like him. I think he got he needs to tone up those arms because right now he's not he's not getting anybody off him with his hand technique, if you know what I'm saying. Like he's all legs right now. He's gotta bulk up those arms to get strong. But out of the high school guys, I really, really feel that those guys are are, are, are big parts. And I know you got something to say on Spady. No, I mean Spady definitely was one that stood out to me looking down the list and more than anything, I mean obviously the size six three, three forty, but coming out of Huntsville, Alabama, and if you look him up, there's not a whole lot out there on him. I mean, he's really yeah. gone gone unnoticed, you know. How can a six three exactly. how can that guy slip through the cracks like that? In, in, in and, the South. In the South country. I mean, it is pretty crazy. I mean you look at the numbers that, that his team put up, um Eight point five average from uh, what's this kid Grissom? I'm sorry, what is this here? Sixty four hundred twenty three yards on fifty carries. I mean, just the averages that the team is is going for behind the line that he was on. I mean, again, like, no, not a whole lot, thing. not a whole lot known about this this kid. But obviously, his ties to UTEP and Sean Kugler, and then obviously. Um, seems like a guy that's going to fit the mold of what Sean Cougar has been trying to build. I mean, it's not like we're at a need for offensive linemen. I mean, we still got some solid yeah. guys coming back, but this is a guy for the future that seems like could fit right in and, and, and be a big-time uh, asset for this team. Another guy, uh, Cougar, using these Okuchuawu names, Cougar always just kind of doesn't want to talk about him or uh, he can't pronounce it, but that's another guy that's coming out of South Texas, East Texas. You know, that those pipelines are always good to build in 6'10", 210 linebacker you needed linebackers in there and then they went heavy and they really really needed them and like like Sean Cougar said two or three of these guys are actually going to be fighting four spots this year which is kind of what you need behind LaViolette behind uh behind Alvin Jones you know behind a couple other returners Jason Van Hook those guys need some depth and that's really going to help but the guys that are going to make the most impact on this team are the three Juco signees and I think are really really this this you know, I just think that was a good mix. Like, you know, we, we we're going to probably – we're going to hear – we'll play you an interview from uh, uh, recruiting coordinator Dan Yanowski, really good stuff that he gets. But there was a really good mix of high school players, like I mentioned, those top – the higher of the class that I feel. And then these these JUCO guys. First off, David Lucero uh, had some issues going back to Boise State, you know, whatever it was. It's in the past. But this kid's an athlete. He's a fluid athlete. He's maybe not that physical type of guy that, that – that, um, that Hayden Plink was, he's obviously Hayden Plink's replacement, but this, I think it's a guy that can really help out and become more of a pass catcher. I mean, I'm not saying Hayden Plink was, but a guy that can get you that, 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 all right, that rack, that run mm-hmm. after catch. I think he can develop into that. You know, I think you read in there, he may have two or three years left. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think he has three, uh, two years left, possibly a third. I don't, I don't remember him 
No, that's right. He's he's got two years left because he played partially at Boise, then he got dismissed from Boise and then played last year. So he could possibly they might be able to get him a third year. That was kind of a red flag that I had in my mind to talk about him. But regardless, this is a guy that's going to come in and really really help offensively what they need. They need that pass catcher. Now, Kalai Griffin, this is a guy that I love. I mean, I love Kalai Griffin. This is a guy you can move. You can put him at linebacker. You can put him, probably put his hand in the ground to rush. You know, if you're getting the slow tackle, he can drop back in coverage. He, he, he is an athlete. That's an athlete. Also, another guy that's a tremendous, tremendous athlete, Kahani Smith. I mean, he, Cougar talked about him today, and I thought Jameel Irving – was a pretty good uh, couple years ago. The guy uh, that came out of the same JUCO that him, Jamil Irving, had that big pick. Really good athlete. Kahani, he thinks Kahani Smith is better than him, and I agree on the film. Those three guys are really, really going to come in and make the biggest impact. And I'm just interested to see out of all of them how Lucetto fits in to that replacement for for playing because you need that. You're going to need that this year. You don't have – that go-to guy yet. And obviously, you know, through spring ball, we'll monitor that and see who, who's kind of developing that. Then. But like we've mentioned before, so much you can get out of that spring ball, but it's good to know how they're going to use him. But, yep. you know, these three Juco guys, I mean, you know, you got 12, you got to be really picky with 12 scholarships. And I think they address needs, yeah, you know, exactly. big time with these two, three guys that are going to come even, in. And not even out. just the Juco guys, but going back to the high school guys as well. When you talk about Fernandez at quarterback and Fields at running back and Forrest McKee at, at fullback and, and then now the Juco guys with Lucetto at tight end. I mean, you're really filling holes that have been created over the last year or two. And, and, but what still remains to be seen, you know, I just one of the things that kind of caught my attention was you talking about Lucetto as a bigger pass catcher. But the truth is that Hayden Plink at times showed a great ability to, to catch the football. And it's like they uh, refused to make him a better, bigger part of the offense. Now, you know, we see that these, that these, these needs are being filled, but is this team going to start going in the direction to be able to use some of these pieces, especially offensively? I mean, we, we've talked about it before. It seems like it's a broken record when it comes to that. You know, we're always wondering, are they going to change it up? Are they going to get a little more creative? Are they going to pass the ball more? Open up the offense. Let the quarterback play a little more. You know, let Ryan Metz sling it around him. You know, one of the things that stood out to me when we were talking to Fernandez, and the first thing he said was, you know, when I asked him to kind of describe the type of football that he or player that he considers himself, and he's like, I like to sling it around. And I'm like – you know, are you going to get to sling it around at UTEP? Because I would love to see that. Yeah. You know, I would love to see that, not just from him, but from even Ryan Metz, you know. And, and now, you know, are, are we going to see these pieces really be put to use and kind of, you know, given their, a bit, their chance to get to their full potential? Or are we going to see it, you know, go back to the, just the same thing that we've seen over the last four years? I mean, I don't know. But without Aaron Jones, I mean, I think their hand might be forced. Definitely. And that's going to be the big issue. And just a couple of news notes kind of on that. Cougar talking about they're leaving two scholarships available for late qualifiers via high school, JUCO. I think they're going to really hit grad transfers more. He mentioned receiver. I've been crying about it since the end of December about the need for that. And that's also going to happen. Keep an eye on that. Also, kind of big news. I haven't wrote about this or put this out there yet on the rush, but Mac Lefwich, his career is over. You know, his shoulder injury, too much to overcome. But he uh, got a math teacher job over there at Parkland High School, and he's going to be an assistant. So well, good for Mac to, you know, obviously to be able to get back on his feet and, and get his education. I mean, he got his degree quick yeah. at UTEP. And, you know, it's unfortunate the way he is the sheriff. You know, one, of the guys, called him and, one of the guys we haven't talked about yet is Cutter Luckwich. Yeah. Know, his brother coming out of, of uh, Franklin here in El Paso. Not actually, uh, I, I got a scouting report from, I don't know if you remember, Tony Grajava, the old yeah. Franklin High School mm-hmm. coach. Well, a couple months ago, we were talking about him, and, and, and he really likes his footwork because I haven't really seen Cutter. It's, but I asked Grajava about him, and he really, really thinks that his footwork, and it's really easy. And I even saw some people on, on our Minor Rush uh, Facebook going after the, the fact that his dad's the offensive line coach, and I specifically asked that. To Grahava, you know, is this, and he's like, you know what? Actually, he has good feet. He has good feet, and you don't need to be six three, six four to be a center. So he has kind of ideal size, and, and he's a smart kid. He's a coach's son. You know, when I say smart kid in terms of, of knowing football, so you know that that could possibly turn into something. You know what I mean? That that that's in the center, you need that good feet. You need to be cerebral. You know, that's something that I remember them teaching me with the little Raiders in the Northeast back in the day. So that's going to be something interesting. You know, keeping that. That the family El Paso recruiting line is obviously something that's that's good for the program. So National Signing Day is a wrap until May, until we can find out. And, and Cougars, you know, speaking on this, the transfers, 
you know, the late transfers, Cougars done good with them. You know, Dante LaViolette this year, uh, Will Hernandez was, was one of them. Uh, I think Jameel Irving may have been a, been a, a late one as well. And, 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 you know, going even back to the Jimmy Musgraves and, and you know, the, the, the Juco recruiting and the transfer recruiting and, and even shit, let's go farther back to, to Jameel Showers. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that has – it's not been Cougars MO and it's been very minimal. But where it's been minimal, minimal, it's really helped out this team, you know, for that next year. So that's definitely something to kind of keep an eye out here as we wrap up our – Lengthy, that was fun though. That was cool. I really enjoyed Forrest McKee. I really enjoyed Alex Fernandez. It's always Thanks good for them to get these to, to kids get on and talk on to them and, and get an idea of what they're thinking and what they're feeling on a, on a day like this. It's so big for them. Um, I, I loved, uh, I love Forrest McKee's energy, man. I, I really did. And, and then Fernandez, you know, just the, the the thing that I mentioned this multiple times. I mentioned it to him, and I've mentioned it before on this podcast. Is just the fact that you know, the schools that he was involved, that were involved in his recruiting are, are many Ivy League schools. I mean, that just tells you, you know, you know how, how smart this kid is. Um, and that's a huge asset for a quarterback to be, like you mentioned, cerebral and know the game and be able to just process information quickly, make quick decisions. And it just seems like this is a kid that could turn out to be a real gem um, in this class, like you mentioned, coming out of that, that Austin area. But, yeah, definitely great to, to see this this class and a lot of needs met. So I got a couple of scholarships holding on to, and hopefully those turn out to be some, some players that can fill some more, uh, <laughs> some more spots. I text coming that kind of caught my, Oh man, that's great. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, let's move it on over a little bit and, and talk to talk about some, uh, some youth basketball, man. There's actually some basketball to be talked about. Some actual like, Competitive games and see you know, last time we it's, talked, it's, 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 you know it's funny how it's changed. You yeah, mentioned no, because yeah, yeah, yeah. at the beginning of the year we weren't. I I wasn't writing about basketball. We weren't. We were talking about yeah, who should be fired, who should come oh, in. Oh, and oh, hold on, hold on. Let's not let's not change it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 What are you going to say? That, that was dominating the podcast of. Yo, know, I'm a Kamani Young, the leader of the Kamani Young you know, movement, and now it's like, oh, hey, hey, we can talk about Matt Williams, you know, stepping I, up. And I don't know if it's Tim Floyd or the players or both that deserve the credit here. I say like, both. I, I think both. both. I think both. You know, the the, the only reason I, I kind of hesitate to give Tim Floyd credit on this is, is, that, on is that Western Kentucky game. Yeah. You know, I just felt like, and we talked about it, you mentioned it, the zone that he started out in kind of put us in a hole. It wasn't a good defense for us, and we've been playing so well. Uh, Take that away, man. we win, um, I think. And, and so I don't know if that was, you know, you want to say him being outcoached or him just trying to think too much into oh, it, it or whatever, 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 whatever you want to say. But either way, man, just it, – it's great to see this team winning. You know, I, I realize the record is still what six and fourteen or yeah. six and whatever it still is. Still three hundred. You know, in IPA. but <laughs> but it, either way, you know, it's great to see them win. And not only that, I'll say this much. You know, I don't. I I, I didn't get to watch the game against Marshall. I don't think many did. You know, there wasn't there wasn't yeah, TV, yeah. TV or anything. But just watching the gamecast and listening to the radio, you know. I'm sure that, that, you know, these guys missed a lot of shots that they make. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, I'm sure we play, we've been playing some good defense and we were forcing them into tougher shots. Yeah. And so, you know, what, what that kind of gives me a little bit of hope for, I'm not saying we're going to make a run and make the NCAA yeah. tournament or we're anything We're not like sipping that, the Kool-Aid but, yet. But, yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real. Like, at least you see some kind of hope or something to just just – a glimpse of hope, you know, for like the conference tournament yeah. to say that maybe we can get out we there get this compete, matchup. We, we can compete, yeah. you know, we can win a game or two and then you never know what yeah. happens kind of thing. And again, I'm not saying we're going to win out and, or win the conference tournament and make the NCAA tournament, but at least it's like, you know, we know we're going to be there now. Like a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking, are we even going to be in the conference tournament? Yeah. Are we going to be that one man out? And, or what it was the last two that are out, something yeah. like that, you know, and now, you know, we, we've seen some improvement over the last couple of weeks, three out of four wins, man, just, you know, credit to, I'll give it credit to Tim Floyd, credit to these players for not laying down and giving up on their season, man. Credit Could, to the guy like Dominic Artist, you know, coming up in his senior year and, and really, you know, getting getting a spark out of some of these kids. Paul Thomas, you know, early on in this little run here, he didn't play so well in the last couple of games, but in the first couple of games was huge. Matt Wilms, you know, the guy, a guy that we haven't seen any, well, I'm going to say we haven't seen anything from him, but it, it, it's really level that we've yeah, seen recently. Yeah, definitely. And all of a sudden, you know, the guy just breaks out for averaging 25 points in two games or whatever it is. It's like, you know, great to see this out of these guys, man. Great to see yeah, it. you know, but it, it, it kind of it, – they're not out the woods yet oh, because no, this no. weekend is, is – this weekend's really going to – and 
I don't know how to gauge this weekend. Like, I'm, I'm thinking about it all week. And by the way, I think UTEP's going to win on Thursday, honestly. I think really, yeah. Like, I even, I even published that today. Like, crazy shit, right? I haven't done that all year. But I think – I don't know how to gauge it to say, okay, do, do they need to, one, hang with UAB and Middle Tennessee to show improvement, two, beat either UAB or Middle Tennessee, or three, do they need to beat both of their asses to really be like, okay, you know what? Floyd, hey, you know what? We, we underestimated you, whatever. We still think that you've done, you know, everything outside the programs and shit. But I don't know how to, ha- I don't know how to, to kind of gauge this weekend of, of this improvement. You know what I mean? Like there, there's been improvement, but this is the ultimate test, you know? And, and I mean, so, so what, I mean, is, at this point, is there anything to well, salvage for expectations? Thing. No, but see, that's or, the thing. Like where you're at in your season with a 6-14 and 14 record, you know, it, it, it's not like you're in position to make a run at any kind of tournament or anything like that postseason play. So, really, the wins and losses don't mean as much as just competing, uh-huh. you know, cutting down on errors. And you is know, that what you want? Is, is, yeah, that's what I want to see. I don't expect them to win either game. I would love to see them win one of them or two of them. Great. But, I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, to be able to see these guys go up against some of the better teams in this conference because, you know, Marshall, they're middle of the pack, yeah. upper middle of the pack. Western Kentucky, kind of middle of the pack, same thing. And then the the F or who was it before? That was it FAU. FIU is that who it was? FIU shit. You know, they're both bottom yeah. of the of, Charlie. Charlie first. You know, they're both there. bottom of the barrel. So you know, it's like it's you can't take a whole lot away yeah. from those games. You know UTSA, what I'm saying? UTSA even though UTSA, UTSA also. Can. So you know, it's just what I want to see more than anything is it's to see them continue to play at a high level the way they've been playing these last games. You know, if they come away with the wins, great. But if they at least play at this level and they show that they're able to compete with these type of teams, again, it gives you that glimpse of hope, that little glimmer of hope that come conference tournament time, they may be able to, to hang with these teams then and maybe pull off an upset or two at that point. And that's all that it matters. You and know? they found some identities. You know, I wrote in the past five games going back to the Marshall game, 40, over 40 points per game in the, in, in the paint. That's an identity, finally finding something. You know, it, it was – we were always hit or miss. Well, okay, it'd be in the year if artist hits his jumpers, if Omega hits his jumpers, you know, we're going to be okay. But you add in that dimension of being able to go to the post and then having Omega play off of that on a slash or off of a jumper. I mean, that that's adding dimensions and that's improvement. You know, that's small incremental improvement. And with that, you're seeing the cutting down on turnovers. You're seeing smart basketball. You're seeing better. I mean, I, I ripped this team's basketball IQ on this podcast, on a Conference USA podcast, on people you know, interviewing me, whatever. And, and now to see that aspect of it, that's huge. Yeah. That's really huge. So looking at this weekend, Thursday, the reason why I stay – I think UTEP's going to beat UAB, and this is there's really one sole reason behind this is that Jeep Jackson tribute. Like Tim Floyd, I think, and, and kudos to Tim Floyd for this. I think this means a lot to him. You know, he he Jeep Jackson meant a lot to that program during the 80s. It was way before my time when he played there, so I I didn't get the kind of camaraderie or whatever that the fans had with him. But the way people have talked about Jeep even before this, like my whole life, when people talk about Jeep Jackson, the stories, like I think this game means a lot to Tim Floyd and I know like Tim Floyd's got this game like a damn mad scientist with fucking 10 game plans you know what I mean like I think these guys are going to be ready I actually truly believe that there's going to be like 7k in the stands maybe so I like that's pushing it but I think there might be just some that 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 minor mojo if you say from back in the day a little bit and I think that could play into a little part Thursday night I don't you know, know if I'm crazy like, or what. No, but. I mean, I, I don't think you're crazy for thinking that they're going to beat this team. I mean, I think it's it, there's a possibility. You're at home. You're playing well right now. You know, you have the the, the added benefit of playing on a on a night where you're honoring one of the greats, and and you know it's going to be emotional and it's televised. So there's just a, there's a lot of factors that that kind of not only that we should mention that UAB and Yusuf have played some really, really competitive good, yeah. games like over the last They've been our basketball rival exactly. really. So, you know, yeah, I mean, definitely I can see this being a close game. I think the one thing that's really got to happen though, if this team's going to beat teams like UAB or, or middle Tennessee is they got to find that X factor. And Paul Thomas has stepped into that, but he's become part of the normal rotation or normal, you know, scores or two, three games. That we know about. Game. Yeah. It, we need, we need where it really needs to come from is either flaggered or Trey Touche. And that's it. I mean, one of those guys has got to step up. I've seen it's easy. It's, it's easy to mention what you, what yeah, you're looking I mean, for. It's, it's I've simple. Seen, I've seen way too many open shots missed by those guys. And, and you have to be a knockdown shooter for this team. I mean, we don't have that type of guy. We've got scores and, and, and you know, 
Omega can hit a three, and Dominic can hit a three every now and then, but they're not really pure shooters. Jake Flagger and Shea Touchette, while they might not be pure shooters, they're the purest shooters that we've got on this team. And so they really, we need those guys to step up and, as an X factor for this team, you know, and knock down one or two, three threes a game and, and, you know, come in and score six, nine points and maybe, you know, double digits now and then. That will push this team to that next level to be able to compete with the upper teams in Conference USA. And Floyd said it, but they're not getting it. I mean, that's, you just said it perfectly. There's really nothing to add much on that. But, you know, that Floyd mentioned that too. Those particular guys are practice shooters, i.e. Jalen Ragland a couple of years ago, kind of that same mold. So that's really good. That You said it right in the head. That is what's going to have to take this team for both teams. And I don't think they're beating Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee is on a different level than everybody. Yeah, Middle Tennessee yeah. is kind of reminiscent of the old Memphis days, you know, of just that dominant team with talent. The and only thing that and, I think that, that Middle Tennessee kind of might give us an opportunity to hang around with is they don't score a ton of points, you know, and, and so – I think that might give us a chance to hang around, you know, in a, in a lower scoring game. If, if Tim Floyd decides to try to muddy it up, it up um, that might give you an opportunity to, to, to hang in there. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it's going to be tough. Yeah. You're right. Middle Tennessee, I mean, 19 and three, nine and zero in conference. And I don't even think anybody's really come close to them in conference, right? They haven't had nah, much. They've had a couple of close calls as of late, but nah, they've been pretty much rolling and, you know, teams are obviously going to battle you in conference play. They, but they, they literally do not have a single game in conference. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I, I lied. Their only game that was in single digits right. was at Rice. And Rice should have won that game. I was watching that game. Rice, Rice missed a bunny down three to be able to change that. And that's the difference with Middle Tennessee. They have those veterans down the stretch. And watching that Louisiana Tech game, that was like a seven, six-point game in the last six yeah. minutes. And that's the difference with these type of teams. But you like, look at some of these scores, right? UAB 60-49, Marshall 69-57, FIU 65-52. You know, if that game is in the low to mid-60s, even maybe even to the high 60s, you know, we should have a chance. A chance. A chance. <laughs> a chance. You know, if, if if we get some of those shots to go down from guys like Flyer and Touchette to, to maybe pull out a win against that team. I don't know. I mean, both games are going to be and all I'm looking for is for them to continue to play at the level that we're playing. I don't want to see any regressions. I don't want to see them, you know, go back to the way they were playing, you know, just even two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So if, as long as we see that out of this team, I'll be happy, win or lose. We'll see what happens. Doesn't that suck? Yeah. Like, the, uh, me saying that, yeah. like, I'm happy even if we lose. I'm about to clean my ears out from hearing that shit right now. You know it's terrible, man. It's terrible. Yeah, terrible. It's terrible. Terrible, terrible. Well, check out the rush. We got, we got it loaded. All your national signing day recaps, tweet caps, bios. Uh, whatever you want, man. We got it all up on the rush. We'll put this podcast up there tomorrow for y'all that aren't listening live and listening right now. You better be. Damn right. Y'all know where to find us. MinorRush.com at SBN Minor Rush on Twitter. Gmail, SBNMinorRush at gmail.com, Facebook.com slash Minor Rush, and Papi Chulo 915 on Instagram for Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe on iTunes, too. National Signing Day is done. We out. <laughs>